Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, Ratchet Book Club is where you can find me on Twitter. Um, Yeah, let's just get straight to it. Chapter 12. All I need in this life of sin is me and my girlfriend, Tupac Shakur. Now, before we go into this chapter, I hope they don't fuck that up. That song was literally about him and his gun. I mean, Jay-Z already fucked it up on his own with Beyonce by doing an actual song about him and Beyonce, letting folks know he was in a relationship. We're like, cool, 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 cool. But you know that song's about his gun, right? I'm sure he knew. I mean, after all, Jay-Z was like 50 when he put that song out. I'm kidding. He wasn't 50. He was like... 43, dating a 21-year-old. But, you know, carry on. Mia Moore and Carter, both with an oversized martini cup in their hand, sat in secluded shore to Costa Rica, enjoying the scenery. The sun began to set, illuminating an orange hue onto the ocean as they sat at the edge of the water. Mia Moore glanced over at Carter and smiled. She was definitely impressed. Carter's body was intact and she loved it when a man took care of his body by being in shape. She glanced at his six-pack, and then she looked at the noticeable bulge in his white linen shorts. She smirked, remembering how he laid the pipe down the previous night. Carter's sex game was on point. He never left her disappointed and made sure she got hers every time. Carter noticed her staring and playfully asked, What you looking at, Ma? You. Mia Moore answered sexily, leaning over to kiss his lips. Carter examined Mia Moore's body and loved the way her one-piece Chanel swimsuit hugged her frame. The fabric could barely hold in her voluptuous ass cheeks, and Carter loved every minute of it. He watched as Mia Moore reached into her matching Chanel bag and pulled out a Dutch and a bag of Miami's finest. She licked and split the Dutch like a pro and filled it with the goods. You on this with me? She asked, knowing Carter didn't smoke. Carter shook his head no and watched as she lit up the lie. Carter loved the fact that Mia Moore was so street, so hood, but yet so classy all at the same time. Her Brooklyn accent turned him on. When he was with her, he felt like he was with his partner because they could relate on so many levels. He knew that either, one, Mia Moore's father was a real street cat, 
or two, she had a serious relationship with a street nigga. Either way, he knew that she had been taught well. Wait, 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 bro. So, you're saying that somehow a dude taught her to be this way. There's no way that she just learned it the way you learned how to deal drugs, even though your dad was never in your life. What Carter didn't know is that neither Mia Moore's father nor any of her exes had been on the street. She was a street bitch in her own right. See? Carter decided that he wanted to know all about Mia Moore and thought now would be the perfect time to ask. So, what's your story? He asked. He took a sip of his drink. Mia Moore slowly blew the smoke out. What do you mean? What do you do? I noticed you wear the best clothes, and that expensive condo you're trying to sell ain't cheap. How do you get your money? You got a nigga back home cashing you out? No, ain't no nigga breaking me off. I'm in my own money. Me and Moore hit the lie, to buy herself more time to think of her lie. I can't tell him that I killed niggas for a living, and that my crew and I caught over 40 bodies over the years. What am I supposed to say? Yo! I'm a murder mama. My father left me a nice piece of change before he died. She looked into Carter's eyes, trying to sense if he bought the lie or not. And he had a lot of properties back home in New York that I own now. Carter looked at me and Moore's pretty hazel eyes and instantly knew that she wasn't telling him something. But he was determined to find out more about this beautiful mystery woman. His stare was so deep that he made me more nervous. Thank you for bringing me here, she said, desperately trying to change the subject. I enjoy your company. No need to thank me. I need to get away. From what? Carter sat up in his chair and looked directly in her eyes. He had encountered many women in his life, but none compared to the one before him. She seemed to have the complete package. He had seen prettier chicks. Even some with better bodies, but Mia Moore was different. A bit rough around the edges, but he was confident that she could be trained. Motherfucker, she ain't a puppy! Ugh. While every other woman he had ever courted tried to become wifey, Mia Moore just went with the flow and was comfortable with her status in his life, whatever it may be. She didn't. She was literally pining for your call just like a few, a few, a few chapters ago. There was no pressure with her. And he appreciated the fact that she didn't sweat him. Except for, you know, a few chapters ago. Take a walk with me, he said as he stood and reached down to help her up from her seat. Mia Moore lifted her designer shades off her face and placed them on top of her head as she looked up at Carter. Where are we going? You know I'm tipsy, nigga. We've been sipping on my ties all day, she laughed. I probably can't even stand. I got you. Carter licked his lips. Ugh. God, okay, so we're going to have him licking his lips like LL every single time he's trying to be sexy now? Should I do that? Do y'all do that? Has anybody? Like, seriously? Do you like... Whenever you say something sexy? What's up, ma? My name is... The Freaky Deaky. Mia Moore stood and held his hand, clinging to his arm as she steadied herself. It felt so good for her to just be able to relax. They walked through the sand of the darkening beach, the horizon a phenomenal mixture of exotic oranges and reds, setting the perfect atmosphere for an intimate walk, 
on the beach. In the States, she could never let her guard down. So to be so far from home was like heaven to her. Me and Niece used to always dream of traveling, she thought. She looked down at her feet as thoughts of her murdered sibling crossed her mind. Carter noticed a sad expression take over her striking features. What's wrong? Nothing. I was just thinking about my sister. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to ruin the mood, she said with a weak smile. You didn't. Tell me about her. She was the most perfect person ever, she whispered. A wind gusted up the shore from the ocean, and Mia Moore wrapped her arms around herself. She always wanted to travel. She would be so jealous that I was here right now if she was alive. She laughed, thinking how Anissa would have cussed her out if she hadn't invited her. She taught me everything I know, and she saved me from living my life in fear and in pain. In fear of what? Mia Moore stopped walking and put her head down as memories of her childhood came rushing back to her. Carter lifted her chin with the tip of his finger and noticed a look of rage going through her eyes. A single tear trailed her cheek. My mother abandoned us for a boyfriend who liked to molest little girls. One night he came into my room to touch me and my sister told him to take her instead. I remember the first time it happened. I heard her screaming for him to stop and I laid in my bed the entire night listening to him violate her. He threatened to kill us if we ever told our mother. Mia Moore had tears streaming out of her face as she stared out into the ocean. The dark arms of the night enveloping her and Carter on the deserted beach. Anissa got pregnant. She was only 12 and was walking around with a baby in her son because of him. We were afraid to tell our mother, so she came up with a plan to lose a baby. She purposely started a fight with these girls in the neighborhood and told me not to jump in, no matter what. They beat her until her body miscarried the baby. There was so much blood, and she was in so much pain, but we got through it, together. I remember being so scared, I thought my sister was dying. That same night, our mother's boyfriend was back in our room. He pulled Anissa into his bed. She was crying and screaming. And I couldn't take it anymore. I knew she was in pain. I grabbed the gun that my mother used to keep hidden in the coat closet and I killed him. I shot him in the head. I saved her then. But I wasn't around to save her this time. I was supposed to be. But I wasn't. And now she's gone. The one time she needed me most, I let her down. Carter didn't know what to say. He knew that no words would heal the old wounds that she had just reopened. He pulled her close, and she wrapped her arms around him as she wept in his arms. No words were spoken, but a bond was established between the two of them. I'm scared, Carter. I didn't used to fear shit because I had Anissa behind me. Now it's just me, you know? Mia Moore exhaled. You don't have to be afraid of nothing, Ma. Not with me. I got you. Understand? All that I ask is that you keep it real with me. Now that he knew her history, he had a much better understanding of the woman she was today. He knew what made her tick. He felt the walls that she had built around her heart, 
but he was willing to be patient as he knocked them down one by one. She had let him in. That was the first step. Carter and Mia Moore stood on the beach for what seemed like hours, just engrossed in each other's embrace. It wasn't until the tropical rain began to fall that they retreated to their five-star resort room. When they showered together, Mia Moore ran her hand all over Carter's soapy physique as her honeypot heated up. Uh-uh. He removed her hands before she caused him to get an erection. After learning of Mia Moore's past, he was even more intrigued by her. She wasn't just another chick that he wanted to fuck. He knew that she played tough on the outside, but was a really fragile soul on the inside. Carter told himself that he would be careful with her heart. He didn't want to be the one responsible for breaking it. I already know your body, Mia Moore. On this trip, I want to get to know your mind and your heart. He kissed the nape of her neck, wrenched her body, and stepped out of the shower while she followed close behind. His words touched her, and she realized that she had never been treated with as much respect as Carter had just given her. The way he was spending money, whining and dining her on this trip, she planned on paying him back as soon as they hit the sheets. Carter read her thoughts and said, You don't owe me shit. I'm feeling you, Ma. But if you gonna be my bitch, you gotta be my nigga, too. The fuck? I have to trust you with everything I am. There are some things you don't know about me. Here we go. Also, I'm refraining from making fun of any of this because, you know, the story of the molestation. Like, that's horrifying. That's sad. And I'm I'm really upset that the mom didn't step in. But this is the story that they're writing and they have to make it that way. But, like, I wouldn't have my wife or, or, or my girlfriend or whomever at home with my kids if I'm not there. Like, if my kids tell me something's going on with my significant other, we got to search that. Now, I'm not going to just jump in full fire and say, you got to get the fuck out out the gate. We're going to investigate what's going on, and I'm going to find out what's actually going on. But what's not going to happen is me getting mad at my kids for something that my significant other did. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to stand with her against my kids. That's not a possibility. So I know that, that happens in real life and it really fucking sucks. And predators like this make me really fucking upset. And so I'm striving to not discuss it because of the things that the emotions that it brings up inside of me. But just know that I am literally Let's just say that it's not cool. Obviously, it's not cool. And that obviously I have thoughts on it. And the best thing I can do uh, in this situation is not make fun of them for the stupid shit they're saying. But when you say shit like, I'm feeling you, ma, but if you're going to be my bitch, you got to be my nigga too. I know this 2008, but you can go and fuck yourself. That is literally poor writing. Now, since I'm talking about it anyway, I got to make fun of the fact that she tried to stroke his dick and he was like, uh-uh, I know your body. I want to know your heart and your mind. And that was just so deep to her. Even though when they first got there, he laid it down on her. They they just said that. 
he put it down on her already. So is it Uchi Wally or is it one mic? Because you already have laid it down in Costa Rica. It's not like y'all touched down and you're like, abstinence. No, you literally fucked already. <sighs> Mia Moore's eyes rose in disapproval. It ain't about no other chick or nothing. But there are some things that I just can't trust with everybody. Now I mean? I'm trying to build a friendship with you. So that if we decide to take this to a serious level, the relationship could have legs to stand on. Carter didn't know it, but his logic and the way that he spoke it made Mia Moore trust him more than anyone she had ever known. He was literally blowing her mind. Mia Moore kissed his neck and nibbled on his ear as she whispered, I hear you, Carter, but I already trust you. She took his fingers and placed them between her slit. And I don't want you for a friend. I have enough friends. I want you for my man. She kissed a trail down to his rising manhood and took him into her mouth. Ooh, shit, he moaned as he grabbed the back of her head. Mia Moore looked Carter directly in his eyes as she gave him the best head he'd ever received in his life. The club was jam-packed as Rick Ross blared out the speakers, and the entire cartel was in attendance at Club Moon, a club that Polo was a silent partner in. I was wondering what had happened with Polo. It would have been a few chapters that we heard from this nigga. Now we get to find out how he really did all this shit. It had been months since they had went out and party because of the war with the Haitians, but Polo thought it would be a good tool to get everybody's mind off the current turmoil. Mecca, Money, Breeze, and Lena were in the middle VIP section popping bottles of rosé, celebrating Breeze's birthday, while other members of the cartel were scattered over the room, their hands close to their bangers, ready for whatever if something popped off. Mecca had two bottles of champagne in his hand. He said to Breeze, It's jumping in this motherfucker. Money held a single wine glass in his hand and had been sipping on the same glass all night. He wanted to be on point at all times. And by the way Mecca was down the drinks, he knew that he had to be extra cautious. Yeah, it's popping tonight, bro. Money took a small sip. He looked over at Breeze who was dancing with Lena and waving her hands in the air and yelled while holding his glass in the air. Happy birthday, B. Thanks, baby. She yelled as she began to dance on two guys that approached her. One of the guys turned around and began to dance with Lena as the DJ switched to a slow R. Kelly song. Money smiled as he saw that everyone was having a good time and laughing. It had been so long since he had seen Breeze smile and she looked like her old self again. Mecca walked over to Money, almost tripping over himself. It was obvious that he was drunk. Bro, I need another bottle of... He paused mid-sentence as he noticed a man dancing on his woman. His anger began to set in when he saw the man rubbing all over Lena's ass while she danced seductively on him. Mecca's eyes were glued on them as the liquor made the innocent dancing rendezvous seem more sexual than it actually was. Money knew his brother too well and saw that he was getting ready to flip. Yo, Mecca, fall back. They just dancing, nigga. Goddamn. Money laughed lightly and nodded his head to the song. Mecca took another gulp of the champagne, menacingly staring at the guy who was filling up his woman. Do we know who the fuck I am? Mecca asked himself as he continued to down the drink. Money brought his ear closer to Mecca. What? 
Before money could stop him, Mecca jumped up and walked over to Lena and the guy. Without warning, he broke the champagne bottle over the guy's head, causing him to drop instantly. The guy's friend, who was dancing with Breeze, ran up on Mecca, but before he could touch Mecca, he was staring down the barrel of a pearl-handled 9mm handgun. What, nigga? What? Mecca screamed as the DJ stopped the music. Mecca, stop! Lena yelled as she grabbed his arm. We're just dancing, baby! She looked at the man holding the back of his bloody head. Mecca wasn't trying to hear that. Bitch! You my woman. This nigga was grabbing your ass like he was fucking you or something, he yelled. The vision of another man groping his woman was too much to bear, and jealousy took over. Mecca pointed the gun to the man's leg and let off a round, causing a loud thud to echo throughout the spacious VIP room. Okay, so two things. One, that is literally a lyric that freddie jackson wanted to put into his album before they told him that's not a good idea bitch you my woman was supposed to go number one on the on the pop charts but they toned it down a bit and now you got you are my lady because initially it was supposed to go bitch you are my woman for show I see you grabbing no man all in the club. That's how it's supposed to go. Bitch, you as my woman was supposed to go like nationwide. And it's actually available uh, in the black market in China and Indonesia. Also, two, we really got to talk about how Mecca's just shooting niggas in public. When he came to Diamond Realty a couple chapters earlier and told the receptionist that he needed to talk to money... While Money was in the midst of the business meeting where he was first telling them that y'all going to have to get down what I'm talking about because I'm not getting down what y'all talking about. His shirt was stained bloody red like his whole outfit was red with blood and he just telling the receptionist, yo, I need to talk to my brother. And nobody said nothing. Nobody flinched. The receptionist not down with this life, is she? Did they all sign a waiver? Like, does she know about the cartel's businesses or does she just work for Diamond Realty? Like, you shooting niggas and pulling out double pistols and talking about, I got this. I know that you on some goofus and galleon type shit with these two brothers, but still, give this nigga some sort of nuance more than Hulk smash, but with pistols all the goddamn time. Seriously. What the fuck he so mad about? They had already said he spoiled his shit. Whole family spoiled. Nigga got a Lamborghini and two guns all the way he go, everywhere he goes. Niggas name should be Mecca Two Guns or something like that. I call him Mecca like a high, but still. Why the fuck you so mad, son? Why the fuck you shooting up niggas in the club? It's your uncle's club. Why you shooting? Just tell security. Go snitch. Ah! The man yelled in agony as he gripped his bloody leg. The entire room was in complete pandemonium as people ran for cover, afraid of getting hit by a stray bullet. Money got up and grabbed his drunken brother. Yo, Mecca, that's enough. He signaled for one of his henchmen to come over to him. Money leaned in the henchman's ear and told him to call their family doctor to fix the man up and instructed him to give the man $25,000 as hush money, 
Why the fuck didn't you get your henchman on in the first place? Mecca, get the henchman. If you go to the movies and the person behind you is talking in the movie theater and you can't hear what the fuck is going on in Fast and the Furious Part 9 and you gotta listen to it because there's no real storyline in the first place and that shit is hella crazy weird. That's no spoilers, by the way. Are you gonna shoot him? Or are you gonna get the manager? Please don't say you're gonna shoot him. Please. 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 Money was noticeably frustrated with Mecca's recklessness. Actually, what it says is money was noticeably frustrated with his Mecca's recklessness. Money was noticeably frustrated with his Mecca's recklessness since it wasn't the first time he had to clean up his mess. I mean, no, but at the same time, you kind of kind of let him do what he needs to do. Like y'all are, um, Y'all are really enabling this nigga. And I see you still ain't told him about Lena. Like, I know that this is probably where this all leading to, though. So, let's go ahead and read. He forcefully grabbed him and took him out the back exit, where their cars were parked. Lena and Breeze followed them out, not believing what had just happened. Mecca, you always fucking shit up. Damn. Breeze shook her head from side to side. As Money, Mecca, Breeze, and Lena exited the club through the back, all you could hear was Breeze arguing with Mecca. You always go and do some crazy shit. Damn, Mecca. We can't even have a good time without you popping off. You're nothing like Papa. You need to learn how to control your emotions. Breeze, I'm sorry, sis, but the nigga was trying to disrespect me. You know I ain't having that shit. This city is mine. He said in a drunken slur as he stumbled to his car. Whatever, Breeze said before she got into Money's Escalade. Money was giving Mecca a look of disappointment and shaking his head from side to side. He knew his brother was getting out of hand and that his rashness could eventually lead to his own demise. Bro, you can't move like that. That shit was straight up stupid. Shooting a nigga don't make you no gangster. That ain't what we about, family. Now, if the nigga went against the grain, I would have been right there with you. But what you did was wrong and simple-minded. You have to think first and then react, Money said, quoting his deceased father. Carter Sr. had always told hot-headed Mecca, think first and then react. Guilt began to set in with Mecca, so naturally he began to put it off on someone else. He didn't respond to Money and looked over to Lena who was leaning on his car and crying in her palms. He stormed over to her and grabbed her by the shoulders forcefully. It's all your motherfucking fault. If your ass wasn't flirting with the nigga, this wouldn't have happened. You was inviting that nigga to touch all on you. Lena yelled, Mecca, stop. You're drunk and you're hurting me. She tried to break loose from his grasp. Mecca's mixture of intoxication and anger caused him to backhand Lena, and she fell to the ground. Mecca quickly grew remorseful as he saw his woman hit the concrete. Money rushed over and pulled Mecca away. The fuck is wrong with you, he yelled. Hitting a female? God damn, I hate that word. He helped Lena up and examined her face and bloody lip. Are you okay? Money whispered as he wiped the blood away from her lip. Lena looked in the eyes of the man she was desperately in love with. Yeah, I'm okay. 
She wanted to be with money rather than Mecca so badly. Even though Mecca and money were twins, they were the exact opposite, and Lena felt like she was with the wrong sibling. Get in the car, okay? I'll take you home. Money focused back on his drunken brother. The fuck is your problem, Mecca? You getting out of hand. He gripped Mecca up by his collar, pulling him close to him so that he could be the only one about to hear what he had to say. If you ever hit a woman again, I'll... Money was so enraged by his brother's actions, he couldn't finish the sentence. He just pushed Mecca towards his car and pointed his finger at him as he shook his head in disappointment. If you ever hit a woman again, I'll... Completely forget the fact that you literally murdered a woman who was trying to kill you a few days ago. And you talked about it in a business meeting. Well, no, not in a business meeting. That was a cartel meeting. But if you ever hit a woman again, I'll be very put out, Goofus. You gotta love him like I do. Why can't you be more like Galleon? I mean, for real, I don't trust or support anything that Mecca's fucking doing. Mecca's a fucking dumbass. That's it. There's no but. Mecca remained silent, knowing he was dead wrong. Money looked at Breeze, who was in the passenger side of his car, and yelled to her, Take this drunken fool home. I'll take Lena home and meet you at the house. He walked over to Mecca's car and opened the passenger door for Lena. Mecca was overwhelmed with guilt as he tried repeatedly to apologize to Lena, but the pleas fell on deaf ears. Come on, Mecca. Breeze grabbed his hand and helped him into the car. Mecca dropped his head in shame as he realized that he had overreacted. And then the guilt began to sink in. Carter drove Mecca's Lamborghini down the highway towards Lena's home. Money hated driving Mecca's cars. In his eyes, they were way too flashy and drew too much attention. He glanced over at Lena who was crying quietly, wishing she had never come out for the night. I bet you he about to get shot because he's in Mecca's car and the murder mama's going to see him and be like, That's the car that killed Anissa. Money wanted so badly to be with Lena, but he couldn't betray his brother in that way. He gently ran his hand over her cheek and wiped away her teary eyes, trying to comfort her. Mecca doesn't mean any harm, I mean except for the harm he did when he actually hit you in the face with his hand and then blamed you for all the shit that happened in that club and shot a nigga because they were dancing too close to you. But other than that, you know, he's solid. He does love you. He just has a fucked up temper, not me. He sure has a fucked up way of showing he loves me, Lena said, tears streaming down her face. She kissed Money's hand as he rubbed her cheek. Money thought Lena was crying because of what Mecca had just done to her. Money thought Lena was crying because of what Mecca had just done to her. But that was the farthest thing from her mind at that point. The tears were coming from the thought of her knowing that she and Money never could be. Lena placed her hand on her stomach as she melted in Money's hand. She had found out that morning that she was three weeks pregnant with his child. She knew it was Money's because she hadn't been intimate with Mecca in months. He had been too busy to satisfy her lately. She decided to have an abortion and take her secret to her grave. But the pressure was too much to handle by herself. She had to tell Money. Money? I'm pregnant. Lena said almost in a whisper. What? Money asked as he swerved in traffic, not believing what he had just heard. 
I said I'm pregnant, money. And it's your baby. What are you talking about? How do you know it's mine? It ain't mine. I strapped up every time I was with you. Come on, niggas. Come on. Like, I know there's a script that y'all read every single time that somebody says that they're pregnant and you got to play this role. But for real, like, dude, you literally didn't have a condom when you were at her penthouse or when you were at her apartment after you picked her up from the dope spot. Literally. So you don't strap up every time. That's a hole in that theory right there. Plus, you should strap up every time. If you're cheating with your with if you're cheating with your brother's girl, you should probably have a condom every single time. Just a thought. I know it's yours because you're the only person I've been with. Mecca and I haven't done anything in months. I know it's yours. Remember that night after them niggas tried to rob Mecca? Lena asked, referring to the last time they had made love without using protection. Money kicked himself inside, knowing the time she was talking about. He was so caught up in the moment, he had slid up in her raw. Fuck! He hit the steering wheel out of frustration. The guilt began to set in as Money thought about how he had betrayed his best friend and twin brother. They're the same person. His best friend and his twin brother. He didn't betray two people. I, I figure y'all know that, but still just be safe. I love you, Lena. Mecca whispered just before he lowered his face to his table to inhale the line of cocaine. See, one thing that my wife pointed out is that they don't... They stuff a lot of people into these uh, chapters and don't really give you time to... Like, they don't say a name above it or, or dot, dot, dot or anything like that. So then you know that they're switching over to another person. So it actually gives you, like, a whiplash as they just jump from person to person. We literally went from the guilt began to set in as money thought about how he betrayed his best friend and twin brother. You turn the page, the next thing is, I love you, Lena. Mecca whispered just before he lowered his face to his table to inhale the line of cocaine. Also, what the fuck is you, G-Money? Are you about to marry the, the pipe now, nigga? Is that what we doing? You sniffing cocaine? You snorting cocaine? Can you sniff cocaine? Corcaine. It's a lighter version of cocaine. Corcaine is made by Colgate. That made no sense. I'm ashamed of myself. As soon as Breeze had dropped him off, his conscience began eating at him. He felt bad for putting his hands on the only woman he had ever truly loved. His long hair was wild and unbraided, which made him look like a madman as he used his nose as a suction vacuum for his preferred drug. Mecca threw his head back and held it up to prevent his nose from running. Mecca was high out of his mind. He had snorted five grams of coke within 20 minutes, and the effect of the drug were kicking in. He grabbed the bottle of Remy Martin and took a large swallow of it. He distinctly heard a Tupac song pump out of his home stereo and recognized the tunes. He stood up almost stumbling and went over to turn the music up. All I need in this life is sin is me and my girlfriend. Down the rise to the bloody end is me and my girlfriend. I was too immature to understand. Mecca held the bottle of Remy in his grasp and drunkenly rapped along, thinking of his love, Lena. He couldn't take it anymore. He had to go over to her and make things right. Although he had treated her bad at times, he really was in love with her. And she was the only woman that he had truly ever loved. Mecca staggered over to the keys to his bins and snatched him off the counter. 
He was about to confess his love for Lena. Lena, I love you, baby. I'm sorry, he said as he stumbled out the door and into his bins to go see his woman. I don't know what to do, money. I'm in love with the man that I can't have, Lena said as tears streamed from her eyes. She sat on her sofa across from Money, expressing how she felt about him. Money was speechless as he looked into Lena's eyes and realized the feeling was mutual. He began to slowly shake his head, knowing that what they had done was wrong. His father had taught him the family always came first and that loyalty was the single most important thing a man could have for his family. Money's father's teachings were embedded in his brain as his heart and mind played tug-of-war. On one hand, he knew that betraying his brother was wrong, but on the flip side, not taking responsibility for what he had created would eat at him. His father had also told him that abortion was wrong and that a real man takes care of his family by any means necessary. Money was lost. Lena, this ain't right. This ain't right. Money mumbled as he buried his face in his palms. All he could think about was his twin brother. Money had no other choice but to force an abortion upon Lena. He wasn't willing to let a woman come between him and his sibling. That's my flesh and blood. My brother. Blood in, blood out. I can't let her have that baby, Money thought as he looked at Lena crying her eyes out. Which is why it's fortunate for you that she wants to get an abortion anyway and not tell you about it. See how these things work out? But I understand. You just have it in your mind that women, I'm sorry, females are just dying to have a baby at like the age of 21. You know, change their whole lives and alter all their life plans and all that because now that they have a, a, a fetus or even a cell inside of them, they just going to drop everything and become a parent whether you want them to or not at the age of 21. That's how all these women are, right? And you just like, you know what, I don't fuck with kids right now, but I, you know, I'm family with somebody that I've been cheating on, you know, but you can't have this baby. Bitch, she don't want to have the baby. She wasn't even going to tell you. Sound real bad right now. He sat next to her so that he can console her. He ran his fingers through her hair and gently put his finger under her chin and made her look at him in the eyes. Lena, we're going to get through this. Together. He returned the deep stare at Lena. We can't have this baby, though. It's wrong. I never wanted it to be like this, Lena told him, heartbroken. Everything's going to be okay, but this between us has to stop. Money gently kissed Lena on the lips. Money's lips were magic to Lena. Just by his touch, he drove Lena wild. She felt her friend in between her legs begin to thump. And before she knew it, her hands were in his pants looking for his rod. She gently began to stroke it to make it grow. Money promised himself this would be the last time he would have sex with his forbidden love. All I need in this world is sin. Mecca sung drunkenly as he approached Lena's house. He was going to apologize to his woman and make things right. When he pulled up, he noticed his Lamborghini parked in her driveway. Money's still here? He asked himself as he pulled two houses down from Lena's house. He threw the car in park, grabbed the half-empty bottle of Remy, and hopped out. Mecca staggered to Lena's house and noticed the front light was on. He walked in front of the house, and what he saw through the front glass made his heart drop. Mecca dropped the Remy bottle, 
causing it to shatter into pieces on the sidewalk. He saw his twin brother passionately kissing his woman. He watched as money pulled out one of Lena's big brown breasts and began to suck on it. Mecca was in complete shock as he watched Lena straddle his brother. His eyes bugged out as he saw his brother rub on Lena's behind with one hand while removing her thong with the other. What the fuck? Mecca walked closer to the front glass and witnessed the treachery happening. Okay, <clears throat> cool. He's seeing this. It sucks, but okay, I have a question. So, when Mecca got driven home by Breeze and started snorting cocaine, at the same time he was being taken home, Money and Lena were on their way to Lena's apartment or penthouse, whatever it is. So these paths are now going in opposite directions. So while Lena is being apologized to for by Money for Mecca's behavior, Mecca's at home snorting cocaine and drinking, right? These two things are parallel, right? These are parallel paths. Just because you stop telling the story of Money and Lena to talk about Mecca now dancing to me and my girlfriend does not mean that these two things, it's not Mecca um, gets driven home and then Lena gets driven home and then Mecca's doing drugs and then Money's talking to Lena and then Mecca is um, singing to Tupac and Lena is telling Money about being pregnant. That's not how this happens. These two things are happening in a parallel. They're happening at the same time. So how the fuck did this nigga get here before this conversation was over? Before they finished having sex? How the fuck did he get there right while they're having sex? That makes no sense from a timeline standpoint. It can't happen that way. These two things are happening at the same exact time. And just because you write them back to back does not mean that they're separate incidents. Unless this nigga lives directly across the street. Which does not make sense. How does nigga make it there so quickly? Did, does anybody want to answer that for me? I know we get caught up in writing the story and we want to make it as exciting and as heartfelt and all that kind of stuff as possible. And I know that this part had to happen for plot point reasons. I know it had to happen, but make it make sense, Pops. Make it make sense to me. How is he, how is money thinking about how he betrayed his best friend and his twin brother, while Mecca is lowering his face to the cocaine. Like, Lena has already told Money that she was pregnant by him, while Mecca is snorting the cocaine. And then he grabs a bottle and takes a drink, and then he stumbles to his home stereo and turns on Tupac and starts singing, Me and My Girlfriend. Then he stumbles out the house and he goes to see Lena. Okay, cool. Now, at this point in time, at the same exact time that this is happening, Lena should be telling money, I've always been in love with you and this is where they start having sex. Miami is a big fucking area. If you're driving to see her, and that was a, they don't indicate where she lives at, but they say that she lives on the ocean side. So I'm thinking that, you know, it's not close to where they live. These two things cannot be happening. Okay. That don't make no sense. That's what I'm going to leave it at. That don't make no goddamn sense. I don't like that at all. 
Money and Lena were so into one another that they didn't notice Mecca staring at them through a large front glass. And Lena's moans could be heard from the outside as she rode Monroe with more passion than she had ever ridden Mecca. Mecca's sadness instantly turned to rage as he reached for his gun and headed for the front door. Seconds later, bullets from his forty caliber pistol were ripping through the wood of the front door. Lena scrambled to the corner of the room out of fear. She didn't know what was going on, and Money grabbed his pistol from his waist and pointed it at the door. Then he saw Mecca burst through the front door, tears in his eyes. Mecca! Lena yelled as she saw the look in his eyes. She knew that their sequel was out of the bag. Mecca pointed his gun at Lena. He screamed, I can't believe you, bitch! Money put away his gun and tried to calm down his brother. Mecca, put the gun down. It's not what it looked like, he tried to explain. It's not what it looked like? Nigga, fuck you! Mecca pointed his gun at his brother. The two people he thought he could trust were the very ones deceiving him. He pulled the hammer back on his gun and aimed it at his brother's head. Money put both of his hands up and tried to reason with him. He knew his brother very well, and when he looked in Mecca's eyes, it was obvious he was high as a kite. Bro, listen. Put the motherfucking gun down. You high. Now stop before you do something you're going to regret. The only thing I regret is fucking with this stankin' hoe. Mecca pointed his gun back at Lena. The thought of her being intimate with his brother sent him over the edge. I hate you! Mecca screamed as he put both of his hands on his head and his tears began to fall freely. I loved you. Mecca whispered just before he pointed the gun at Lena and let out two rounds. He watched the bullets rip through her chest and she fought for air. No! Money yelled as he rushed over to Lena and cradled her in his arms. Breathe, Lena. Breathe, he instructed her as blood oozed out of her mouth. Lena fought for her dear life as she gripped Money's hand and looked into his eyes. Breathe, Lena, Money screamed as he tried to keep her from slipping away. Call an ambulance. He looked back at Mecca, who was pacing the room with both of his hands on his head. Mecca whispered, Oh my God, what have I done? He frantically continued to pace the room. He looked over at his brother and Lena, and what he saw and heard broke his heart. Lena was taking her last breath, but before she slipped away, she looked money in his eyes and whispered, I love you, Monroe Carter, just before she stared into space, leaving this earth. A single tear slid down money's face, and he felt Lena's grip suddenly loosen. He knew that she was gone. A tear fell from Mecca's eye also, but it wasn't one of sorrow, but a tear of rage. See, it shouldn't say that, but it wasn't one of sorrow, it was a tear of rage would be just fine. A tear fell from Mecca's eye also, but it wasn't one of sorrow, but one of rage. That's what it should say, not but a tear of rage. He had just witnessed a woman he loved tell his brother that she loved him. Her last words were that she loved you. Not me, he whispered as he slowly raised his gun and pointed it at Money. Money ran his hand over Lena's eyelids to close him. And then he gently kissed her forehead before he turned his attention on his brother. Does that really work? That whole running your hands gently over somebody's face and make their eyes close, does that work? 
I mean, if I got my eyes open, not, I guess, because if I got my eyes open, boy, what I'm really doing is I'm not rubbing my eyelids down. I'm actually pushing down on my eyebrows. Like, there's no cool way to do that. Hold on. I'm going to go try it on my son. All right. Shit don't work. I tried it out. And it don't work. I tried it on my wife. I tried it on my daughter. I didn't try it on my son. He's playing the game. But I tried it. Shit don't work. As a matter of fact, two out of two people said, what the fuck are you doing? And two out of two people kept their eyes open. Like, it doesn't work. Fuck that bullshit. Mecca, put the gun down. Money put his hands in front of him. He knew his brother was unstable. You always thought you were better than me, nigga. You could have had any woman you wanted, but you had to take mines. Now look at you. Look what you made me do. Look, Papa and Ma always favored you over me. Mecca's tears fell freely down his face, and his hand began to shake. He remembered what his parents used to say when he would get in trouble and began to mimic them. You need to be more like Monroe. Monroe wouldn't act like that, he said, his voice shaky. As all of his emotions boiled over, Mecca looked money in the eye and let off a single shot that entered the left side of his chest where his heart resided. Monroe heard the gunshot, but didn't believe his own flesh and blood had shot him. As the burning sensation in his chest settled in, he fell to the ground, and his life slowly slipped away. High out of his mind, Mecca watched as his brother lay dying in a puddle of his own blood. Unk Poe! Mecca yelled into the phone as he held his twin brother's corpse in his arms. They killed money! Oh my god, they killed my brother! He instantly regretted what he had done, and remorse quickly brought his cocaine high down. Mecca, what are you talking about? Calm down. What's going on? Polo didn't want to believe what he had just heard. Them Haitian motherfuckers, they killed money. Mecca responded as he cried like a baby. No, no, no. Polo dropped to his knees. The news of his godson's death was too much for him to bear. They killed Lena too. Come and get me, Unc. They killed money. They killed my brother. Mecca stated as he wept uncontrollably. He hung up the phone and put his own gun to his head. I love you, bro. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Mecca whispered right before he pulled the trigger. But fortunately for him, the gun jammed. Damn, I didn't see that coming at all. Well, I saw it coming. Like, once a nigga came up in the house all wild and out and shit. But you really don't think that a nigga's gonna shoot his brother. But at the same time, nigga, why are you cheating? I just, I don't, I don't, I don't have a soft spot in my heart for cheaters, okay? Like, I've been through some shit, um, and not in my personal relationship, but as a child, like, I saw some tumultuous shit. And so that shit just doesn't ride with me. But at the same time, golly, why the fuck are you fucking in front? Take her to the bedroom, nigga. Like, y'all just, I don't know. I don't want a victim blame the dead. It's a lot of funerals. Also, this nigga said real quick, Lena's dead too. Like, how they find him and Lena at her house? How the Haitians do that? Where they do that at? Also, um, if there's more chapters than this, what, what chapter are we on right now? We're on chapter 12. There are 24 chapters to this book. How the fuck they gonna do it without money in the building? 
A knock on the door awakened Carter and Mia Moore, and he sleepily arose to answer it. Mr. Jones, I have an urgent message from your uncle. The concierge held out the piece of folded paper. Carter opened it and read the words. Money was killed last night. Come home immediately. It's an emergency. Polo. Fuck! Carter screamed as he punched the wall nearest him and balled the tiny note up in his palm. He rested his head against the doorframe and let out a roar of pain that caused a shiver to run down the concierge's spine. Mia Moore rushed to his side. Oh my God, Carter, what's wrong? We gotta go. Pack your things. I have an emergency back home, he said through tear-filled eyes. They gonna run back to the house to cuddle and, 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 and huddle with all of the family and everything. And that's when Mia Moore is going to see uh, Mecca and then it's going to turn out. Chapter, okay, okay, I'll give you that. Had some, it, it had some stuff, but it was stupid. And the fact that this all led to his death was stupid because from a time standpoint, this don't make no goddamn sense. It doesn't. You have to work within the frameworks of reality, and this doesn't make sense. Technically, if the nigga was high and drunk and drinking on his way over to wherever he was in a fucking bins, he should have got pulled over. Should have. Also, Polo probably set this up. 916-633-1537. Leave a voicemail there. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Leave an email there. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Holla at your boy there. I always say we. I mean me. I'm doing this shit. Shout out to my homegirl Jolene from the It Go Down the PM podcast with the uh, reggae horns and shit. I got one too. I just don't like using it. I'm just playing. We go dumb in these streets. Got that shit. I just don't use it that much. But you know what? We about to talk about this shit. That nigga literally rode all the way across town in the span of a blink of an eye to come and catch his brother and his girlfriend in the act right at that moment. Dum, 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 dum. How the fuck that work? Where they do that at, pops? How the fuck you get high at the same time that she's confessing and still make it over there driving shreds and narrow? You have to be going like at least 90 to 100, but you make it there just in time. Okay. Bitch, stay off that blow! Thank y'all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you next time. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast.